Father, I just thank you um, that you are sovereign and you are in control. And Father, you are not surprised by anything we're facing. And so, Father, I just pray that we would just trust that um, you are with us right now. We invite you into this conversation. We ask that you would just lead and direct. And Father, just anything that we can pull out of um, wisdom that will encourage and inspire our staff and, and families, I just pray that you would guide us in that direction. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We honor you. And we just ask um, your blessing upon this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. Today is our third and final episode of our Valentine's Day series. I hope that you've enjoyed hearing this series as much as I have. I've had so much fun hearing from each of these couples that serve together in the ministry. I know that I've been challenged personally and encouraged as I've talked with each one, and today's episode is just the same. Last week, I sat down with newlyweds, Dave and Aaron Holzhauer. They've been married for less than a year, and they actually got married in Italy while serving at the first COVID emergency field hospital. Dave is the Director of International Response, and Aaron is a Clinical Operations Specialist. Although they haven't been married for years, they share wisdom and practical ways that they are keeping God at the center of their marriage. I'm Erin Holtzauer. I have been a part of the DART team for about five years, but I am now the clinical operations specialist in the International Health Unit. Um, I came on full-time about six months ago, and my job is preparing both the staff and the stuff for medical DARTs. I am Dave Holtzauer. Uh, I am the director of the International Disaster Response Unit, and I've been with Samaritan's Perth for 10 years now. So, I always love hearing how the Lord brought people to work with Samaritan's Purse. Um, so you mentioned 10 years, five years. Um, you both have been here a while. Um, what what brought you here? And maybe what was your, I mean, obviously your background, you were a nurse. But so what? how did God lead you to come to Samaritan's Purse in the first place? So I was a nurse. Um, I chose nursing specifically because I wanted a profession that I could do overseas. Mm -hmm. And so I was actively seeking out mission opportunities, and I attended the Global Missions Health Conference in Louisville, Kentucky, um, several years, maybe four or five years in a row. And one of those years, I just happened by the SP booth, and Karen Daniels, who is like legend SP nurse, was working the booth, um, and she recruited me to join the DART team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was working in Chicago in gang ministry uh, back in 2010. And then I was going to grad school at the same time for international development and uh, knew about Samaritan's Purse and didn't know how to get a job here. And I thought I should apply for an internship. And I went to the final round, I was told, and then didn't make it. And then I went six months later, tried again and didn't get it. And then I uh, thought, We'll forget Samaritan's Purse, and uh, but chose to look elsewhere. And uh, about uh, a month after our organization closed in Chicago, I got a call out of the blue from uh, the country director in South Sudan who had came across my resume and said, can you handle it if we put you out the back of an airplane with a quad and can you feed a camp of refugees? And I said, sure. And... Uh, mm -hmm. That's how we started, and uh, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. But that's what I love. I mean, God, God's in the waiting. Yeah. He's in the delays. He's in the door closing. I mean, who knows what you needed to do still, but 
what a, I love your persistence in the way that you know you didn't <laughs> shut that door because I've heard that before. Yeah. Where, um, so your first experience with Samaritan's Purse was on the field, was overseas, um, mm-hmm. and so you left a big city for. I mean, so you were just for, willing yeah. and ready to serve the Lord wherever, whenever. Yeah, it sounds like. Yeah, I just wanted the experience. I was mm-hmm. absolutely uh, ready to do. I mean. With Samaritan's Purse, you kind of have to be in a position at some point to say, I'll go anywhere and do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and God had brought me to that point in my life over a period of time um, and brought me to the point of uh, just a trust. And I didn't know much about what was happening in South Sudan and the conflict, and mm-hmm. uh, but I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And um, yeah, I haven't really ever looked back. Uh, it's been, it was the beginning of a, an incredible journey. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's great. And so in honor of Valentine's Day, you know, we just wanted to talk to a couple couples that both work with Samaritan's Purse. And um, part of what, again, I don't know much personally, but of you, um, I love the way that you just wanted to serve the Lord. You were obedient and you said, yes, Lord, send me. And you weren't necessarily choosing a job to find a spouse, but here, and God brought you guys together. So talk to me about how you guys met and maybe when you knew you guys were the one. Yeah, so in 2019, I was living down at our country office in Columbia, working on a health program down there. And I flew to Boone for a training, for a medical training. And Dave was here working at IHQ. Um, He led one of the sessions in the training, but prior to that had asked someone to introduce us. So... Uh, We met when I came for training that week, and then I flew back to Columbia. I was down there for a few more weeks, and we stayed in touch um, over the phone and FaceTime. Um, And then when I got back to the States, I live in Kansas City. He was very intentional um, about his actions and made very clear that he wanted to pursue me and came to visit, and then it was off from there, Mm -hmm. dating long distance. Not for long. Yeah, that was the just I went to go visit her in Kansas City. I, I have family in Kansas City that I've never visited in my entire life. And then yeah. I met her and said, I'm coming out there and coming to visit you guys as well. And I go, like, oh, now you come to visit after all these years. So, yeah. That's awesome. And so, and, I, and I've heard stories. So did you guys put your engagement off? Or I mean, not your engagement, your wedding. Did you have to postpone it several times because of COVID? Yeah, maybe. So we... We had originally we were supposed to get married in in uh, April, and we were in the Bahamas. Actually, it's funny because when we were down there, uh, Franklin came down, and when we were there, he said, uh, "Well, you guys, why are you waiting? You just get married. I'll marry you today." <laughs> Not in a million years, I think we actually should have done that. Um, and uh, and you know, at the time, we didn't think COVID was going to turn into what it did, and. Uh, and long story short, the day we left the Bahamas at the end of March, um, end of yeah, end of March, we we had to cancel our wedding at the airport. We decided to cancel the wedding and uh, on the way home. On the way home. home, and uh, yeah, so we got home the next day and uh, that day, and it was uh, not the happiest day, of course. And then uh, yeah, we got a call out of the blue that said, "Do you want to go to Italy to work at a COVID hospital?" So, <laughs> yeah, why sure. Why not? Well, and it was kind of like this feeling like, ooh, COVID, like I have to cancel my wedding because of you. Yeah. I'm going to like go do yeah. everything I can to fight this thing. 
I can see yeah. that because we want to go back into the eye of the storm. And so, but you did end up getting married in yeah. the field, correct? Yeah. yeah. So we were like, our family kind of made a joke about it. Like when we found out we were going to deploy, like, mm-hmm. oh, are you going to get married over in Italy? And we were like, no, no. Um, but the longer we were there and we just prayed about it, um, you, I mean, you plan your whole life around your wedding day and things that are going to happen after, you know, like he's, we're going to be living together and where's he going to live if we don't get married and things mm-hmm. like that. And so um, we just ended up keeping our original wedding date. So we say that we picked the date and God picked the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I love that. Um, and I love, I mean, again, like you said, we all think about our wedding day, but I always try to tell people like, your wedding day is an importance to your marriage. And I think we do. We spend so much time investing and in our time and our energy on this wedding. And we often don't look at the marriage and we don't invest in the, you know, what we're actually doing. And so I think you guys flipped and did the opposite. And now, I mean, that sets the best foundation for a healthy marriage because you have surrendered to the Lord and surrendered your, yeah, and I'm sure it wasn't easy. It's heartbreaking, you know, to, to let some things die. But in that, I feel like God brought beauty from the ashes. And so talk to me about what it's like to get married Yeah. on a, a trip. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was, like she said, it wasn't something we, we'd even joke. People were joking on the way over on the DC8 mm-hmm. about it. And the last thing we wanted was like a dark wedding, mm-hmm. you know, where we did it at the hospital or something. And so, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was amazing. Um, Barnaba, who is working with us, is Italian over there that was working with us, when we finally decided we would get married, uh, he he went and showed me a, a small monastery with a vineyard inside, and and so the day of the wedding, uh, or day, or the day before the wedding, I showed. I, I was a little nervous because I said, "All right, it's in the middle of the city, but it's all it's quiet and beautiful and serene." And um, so I showed her actually the morning of the wedding at what it was, and she said, "It's perfect. I love it." And but I don't have a dress, and mm-hmm. I said, "Well." <laughs> There's one store in town that's open, and it's like the Walmart of Italy. Mm-hmm. So I said, we went there, and uh, oh well, uh, you, yeah. So it's called Eater, and it's it's literally like equivalent to Walmart or Target. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole country was shut down, so it was the only place. And actually, their clothing section was shut down. Um, you weren't allowed to shop for clothes, mm-hmm. and so he he had been. Um, procuring things for the dart the whole time. So he'd formed a relationship with the workers at mm-hmm. Epair. So we walked in and he's like, need dress, getting married today. And they're like, oh, congratulations. Come in, they open the clothing section. I, I bought a dress for $12 and <laughs> that's what I wore. Um, I bought it the same day that we got married. And she looked incredible in it. Yeah. So, it, and they gave us, yeah, the store gave us flowers and <laughs> wanted to celebrate, so. That is awesome. I feel like, you know, so many people want destination weddings and would love to get married (laughs) in Italy, and that's nearly impossible, right? It's kind of like when Franklin, you know, did the Easter service in in New York City. You know, I mean, that that would be impossible if you actually tried to do that. And so now here you have this great story. I mean, again, it is sad that you can't be with your family, but during COVID— you couldn't anyway. You see so many people doing getting married on Zoom, and they're not there. So at least you got to be in a cool place yeah. and memorable. Yeah, and the one of the apprentices, he filmed it live so our families mm. could stream in and watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Joey Garner, he is one of the member care chaplains. He married us. Mm-hmm. So That's Yeah, so in a weird way, yeah, we didn't have— I don't mean to sound cheesy. Like, we didn't have our family there, but 
we had an SP family yeah. mm-hmm. who, in so many ways, is is a family. And so you're surrounded by people that you've known for years, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, friends, mutual friends of both of ours that got to be witnesses and sign our paper, and it's pretty incredible. Wow, it's pretty cool. That is that is really neat. Um, pretty movie movie worthy. Um, <laughs> But again, came with a lot of loss, you know, sadness, and you had to give up a lot of things. But so now talk to me about being married, working at Samaritan's Purse. I mean, um, I guess what are the, I'm sure there's so many benefits to working together, but I'm sure there's challenges too. So. Zero challenges. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I mean, for both of you, especially for you who worked here for 10 years, you know, single, um, and I'm sure you you went, you traveled, you lived, I mean, I've heard you've lived overseas, you've been all over the world, and without a family, that was, I don't want to say easy, but you could do it. So now here you are married. Mm-hmm. So what has changed and what maybe... Well, I mean, what's changed about it, and what would you maybe say to people that are that are in this life, working and being sent all over? What yeah. have you learned? Good. So I, I think for me, in, yeah, in retrospect, it's easy to say, well, well I just I, I was able to travel all over the world and do these different projects and and be able to serve in these different places. And it's easy to remember how like it, it was really fun. Is also very lonely at, at many mm-hmm. times. And so uh, I think sometimes you especially being in Boone and, and single, it's not always the easiest thing. And so the easy way is to say, like, keep going, like, mm. keep going, like, keep getting sent out because it, it occupies your time. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I mean, I loved it. I really did. Uh, but I think and people who know me would agree that, like, I now my I'm very content to be still. Mm. Like, we bought a house, got a dog, mm. and, like, I'm very content and it doesn't mean I don't, Kenny, it doesn't mean I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, but uh, yeah, your your priorities shift. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't want to say priorities, but the, the where you find fulfillment in, in a way shifts. And now, especially just in my role, I'm, I'm trying to now empower others with to get the skills and, and, and what's needed to be able to send other people on darts and mm-hmm. field offices and so it's it's a it's a shifting of responsibility and say like it's not me that has to go out all the time and I'm content not being mm-hmm. a part of the action all the time mm-hmm. um, because I think God gives you the des- like if I've learned anything this year in the last two years it's God's timing and I mean over my entire life it's I shouldn't have to learn it so many times but I you know I keep being I relearn that God's timing is always right uh, and so. Yeah, I would say for anyone who's listening, I mean, it's not easy to to go through that and not have people to reflect on those experiences with, especially people who understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we get to do that together. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and I think that that changes. It's not always easy uh, because I think there's always going to be a part of us that wants to, you know, see, wants to be a part of, of whatever's happening. That's that's why we're here. We're both driven to do that, but uh, I'll let her speak for. Yeah, I think it impacts, um, you know, like the decision-making of when you deploy and especially how long you deploy for before I'd be like, oh yeah, open-ended, I'll stay for as long as you need me. And now it's like, okay, I can go for two weeks. I can go for three weeks. I need to come back um, because I have priorities here now at home. Um, And 
choosing wisely on which deployments that you go on and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think of that Ecclesiastes, you know, for everything there's a season, you know, time to tear down and time to mend. And I, I think it's true and I think it's good for people to just and that's why I wanted to ask you guys, you're newlyweds, you know, you're fresh. Um, sometimes when you've been married for a while or, you know, you just get complacent and, and you don't fight for things that are important because obviously our relationship with the Lord is the most important, you know, but then it's your marriage, you know, and the ministry and your job, yes, we're serving the Lord, but I think sometimes it can get out of balance. And so I think it's good to just recalibrate from time to time and and not that you're, you're not going to go anymore. But how do you guys, I guess— set boundaries, because I feel like working together like this, I mean, work bleeds into home, bleeds into, I mean, how do you guys keep your marriage, you know, yeah. first? I think we're still learning mm-hmm. how to set boundaries, um, especially we work, like, pretty closely. Um, I work on the medical DART. He's over the DART roster and the DART program, and so— um, there are a lot of projects that we have to work together on. And so a lot of that conversation does continue at home. But we just try to remind each other, like, okay, let's, if we get going on a topic, let's stop. This can wait till Monday morning. Mm-hmm. We'll pick it up then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, it happened the other day. We were talking about something at breakfast and it started getting like. I think it was on Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, golly, it's like 6.45. I don't want to talk about. Yeah such and such happening in the, in projects right now, you know, and, and uh, it wasn't a bad thing. It's just right. your life, it, it is hard to separate. <laughs> yeah, we're still learning. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's also challenging with COVID when you don't, your, your other things are also limited, other mm-hmm. activities and everything. It's like, well, you have work and each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, like you said, I think we're both trying to be intentional, trying to learn. It's just for us, it's a new thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have any recommendations, <laughs> yeah. we'll take them. No. <laughs> it's hard, but I mean, I just imagined because it's hard enough and I don't work here full time. So, but I felt like that would be hard because that's that's our struggle right now with the kids. You know, it's like if we do have a date night or we do get out, we try to like, I mean, but it's hard not to because it's like that is everything, you know, parenting, discipline, all of that. But it's like you have to be cultivating you know, your relationship and really checking in with your heart and how things are going aside from work. But again, kind of like the parenting thing, I feel like work is, bleeds into it all. So it's it's nearly impossible, but I think it's just good to, I don't know, pursue things for yourselves, hobbies, other interests, you know, other things outside of it. So, but it is, that's why I'm asking, because I don't know. I feel like we've been married 16 years and I'm still like, ah, oh, I don't know. But I think for us, you know, for so long, the military was kind of like, a whole nother world. So he didn't really bring work home. So I think that's what we're learning here now. This work, he wants to bring home, you know, because it's like you want, yeah, you want to talk about these things because they're they're impacting eternity. And so they're exciting, but yet, you know, you still want to have some boundaries and some safeguards. So it's I don't still, know. At the end of the day, it still works. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's still, so it's, yeah. yeah, having that balance and yeah, teaching our kids that we're not just going to talk about work, even though work is more than work because it's a ministry. So I think that's where I'm finding it's harder here than even the military. Because again, like I said, he didn't want to bring homework. He didn't want to talk about, you know, stuff he was dealing with there so we could kind of keep it contained. And so now I'm just finding this is just different. It's a good different though. I mean, it's again, it's a true blessing. And that's why I think it it, there, it is a blessing to be able to work together. And I'm grateful that I get insight and I get to see what he's doing and travel with him some. I mean, again, not in the recent year, but um, it again brings good and bad. 
So you have to take take them both. Well, it is, and I think as long when you're able to to do that work with somebody who understands what you're going through, because I think if if you're if you're doing it alone and trying to explain to somebody who's not necessarily involved in the ministry, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but for for us, I think it's just a a really good blessing to be able to be with somebody who understands those experiences and has gone through them herself Mm -hmm. and you can reflect and talk about without having it trying not to let it dominate Mm -hmm. everything but like you say it's not easy so yeah I mean disaster response you see like a lot of hard things and although a lot of what we've seen is not you know they're not the same circumstances Mm -hmm. they're similar and so there's a lot that he just gets that I don't have to explain or put into words that wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do with someone that didn't work Mm -hmm. in this field or for this ministry Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so speaking to that, so for people that maybe don't, both spouses don't work, you know, how can the ones, you know, that that stay home and, and send their spouse, how can we be praying and interceding? And because like you said, you get it. So you kind of sometimes don't even probably have to explain things and you know how to pray for each other. How can, I guess, since you've you've been overseas a lot, how can we be praying for those that do go? Um, I think first— you just want to be praying for the ministry that they're doing, for the people that they're touching. And um, a lot of times, especially with the DART team, it's very long hours. It's very hard work. Um, and so just like for stamina and strength for the people to be able to get through that time period that they're deployed. Um, but as far as that re-entry period, I think it's important to ask the person what they what they need. So sometimes... Well, two things can happen. One, they come home and get bombarded with questions and they're not ready to talk about it yet. Or they do want to talk about it and no one asks or they don't know the right questions to ask. And so just asking that person, hey, how can I best help you come home? Um, and then I think also on our side of it, it's important that our DART members are saying, you know, while they're gone, things are happening in their loved ones' lives as well. So like, mm-hmm. hey, what's happened while I've been gone? How can I support you when I get home? Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes both ways. Yeah, I think that's the that's what I was going to say is almost just a, something to say to, to the people that do go is, is stay as engaged as you can with the people who are, are behind. Like you said, I think you often forget that, you know, if yeah, you go to South Sudan and come home and say, you won't believe what I saw, this and this and this happened. And meanwhile, the person who stayed back has also dealt with a lot of things every single day. And so um, there's that feeling, I think, that there's less importance on those day-to-day life, the day-to-day activities than what was happening in the dart. And that's definitely not true. And so the more you can, the more, I think, just be very intentional about yeah, yes, I this and this happened. Tell me more about what happened here. And oh, wow, I can't believe that. And uh, in an authentic way, you know, and whether that's your spouse or family or friends, I've just learned over the years to not minimize necessarily what I say, but to maximize what they're going through because it's up to them if they want to ask questions and know more, but it's up to us on how much we ask others. And so I think that that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say all the time, you know, hard is hard, but per- perspective is perspective. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously sometimes going into a war-torn country, I mean, what you've faced is really, really hard and, and it's good to get that perspective. But 
my hard, you know, whatever I faced, yeah, while he was gone is is hard. That's my heart. And so, like you said, just kind of asking those same questions and allowing it to go both ways. Um, but I think you guys have that benefit of both having been understanding a little deeper. So that's why I was just curious for people that don't have that, you know, what can what can we do in our marriage? Um, so would you mind talking, again, we'll come back a little bit to like your, your time serving the Lord while single. You know, what did God teach you in that season? Was there any scripture that the Lord gave you or just in the waiting? Because um, obviously, you know, I'm sure you both wanted to be married, but God had called you to something for a while. And so is there anything you can speak to to people that are in the waiting? Yeah, so maybe two years before we met, I was back at that same mission conference and um, Aileen Coleman was speaking. And she's just like such a strong female figure. And I remember raising my hand and asking her, were you afraid to do this alone? Mm -hmm. And she, her immediate answer was no, why would I be afraid? And I'm thinking like, gosh, I'm like afraid to commit to this being my life without mm -hmm. someone to do it with. Um, and just over a period of praying, ended up doing that, like saying, God, I want this to be my life. I feel like this is where you're calling me. And if that means that I do it forever single, then okay. Like, that's not what I want, but okay. And then I think it just, it, it's God's timing. And, and obviously that wasn't his plan for me. And I'm thankful for that. Mm -hmm. But you do have to surrender. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I it was a repeated thing for me. I mean, and and I'm out, I'm older than she is, you know, and I, I think the older you get, you start to wonder, you know, you're looking and seeing people, you're, all your peers are married and your friends are having babies and it's just like, all right, well, that's, you know, this is not how I planned my life to be and, uh, and they may look at my life and be like, oh, you get to travel and do this and it's like, well, yeah, but I, I wouldn't also mind just doing what you do for a while. Like, that actually sounds really nice, but um, you just kind of have to accept it and just, yeah, it's just sort of the same way with timing it was with coming to SP and every other mm -hmm. phase of my life. It's just, it's a matter of trust. And it's, uh, if you don't trust God with that, like what else can you trust him with? I mean, if you don't trust him with your very life, I mean, what's the point of trusting him with anything if you don't trust him with your life? And so, um, yeah, I'm not going to say it was easy by any means, but mm -hmm. uh, you just, you know, the alternative is, I mean, there's, the alternative is very bad choices and that, that, that don't leave, that don't lead to like true happiness. And so I think you just wait and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the timing, I mean, it never in a million years could have predicted the way it worked out for us, you know, and then another million years for the way it worked in Italy. And mm -hmm. so we're at the point now where I think you just wake up and say, there's certain things I want, but I'm not going to let those run my life because God has shown that he will never be ordinary in the sense of just give you everything you want and move on with life. It's going to surprise you each and every day, sometimes bad, sometimes good, but mm -hmm. ultimately good. Mm -hmm. In the end, good. And I think for people that are in the like single phase of life and doing this work, I would say take advantage of it because, you know, now I, I deployed six months to Bangladesh and I loved my time there and I could never do that now. And so there are, you know, there are aspects of 
doing this work as a single that are beneficial. Um, you have availability and, you know, your accountability for your life is to yourself and to God. And um, so you can go to the front lines of Syria or places that maybe I wouldn't choose to go now. So I would just say to any single folks, like, take advantage of it. Yeah, that's good. And I think, and it all comes back to contentment, right? Like all of us, whatever stage of life we're in, it comes back to contentment. And I think that is our human nature is we're always looking for, I mean, I can think of all throughout my life, you know, I can't wait till I graduate college. I can't, or I can't wait till I graduate, go to college. And then after that, I want to get married and then I want to have kids. And, you know, it's just this. And now you're kind of like, oh, now I got it all, you know, and it's like that secret of contentment and like seeing, like you said, the benefits of where God has you today. And like even right now with the pandemic and my kids at home, there's days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, just go to school. But I know I'll miss this season when they're back in school next year, hopefully. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, again, it's that flesh. We fight it all the time. And so I love how you said that. And it is, it's easier to look back. But yeah, I, I love that. And I just want to encourage people, whatever season they're in and whatever they're waiting for, you know, trust God in the waiting and pursue Him and, and figure out what, how you can grow closer to Him in that season. Um, is there anything else you want to share or um, want to impart? <laughs> no, I would just say, yeah. I mean, I I think it's, it's, a, it's important to have the mindset of just not waiting. You know, if you're talking about specifically for marriage, I mean, it's not— that isn't for everyone, and so I don't think it's always the best to say, well, I'm just waiting for the for the right moment. I know it's going to come because it may not. Like, And I, I finally accepted that it may not come for me, and it's not a guarantee for everyone. Kids aren't a guarantee for everyone. Um, God does not just promise to just give blessing after blessing after blessing until we're so content all the time. I don't think it works that way. And so I would just say don't, don't lose opportunities or— wait on things in your life because you're waiting for something else. Um, like she said, I mean, I had, we both had independent, we had really awesome experiences and now we have shared experiences, but I would, I would have really regretted not having done those things mm -hmm. because I wanted to do them with my future wife. And so I'm really glad I didn't do that. Um, and so I would just say, especially in, in this ministry, like take full advantage of this and, take every opportunity that you feel God is presenting because whether you're doing it alone or with someone, God will make it amazing and impact mm -hmm. your life in some way. So. Mm -hmm. I love the way that Dave and Aaron mentioned over and over that they couldn't do marriage without the Lord. Although this series has been focused on married couples, I wanna encourage you, if you're single, that God is orchestrating your story. He sees you, He knows you, and He knows what's best for you. And it reminded me of a conversation that I had with Karin and Mike England, which sparked this whole series. Here's what Karin had to say about waiting. What would you say to people that are single and that are longing and looking for someone? Don't give up hope. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had many times asked God to be my husband, like he talks about in scripture. Mm -hmm. um, but it, and it's something I had longed for for a long time. And so I think... It's something that you surrender over and over again and just keep laying it before the Lord. And, you know, I could have never orchestrated it. Mm. And so I think for me, I think it's just great to trust the Lord in His timing. And like I said before, it, He brought it at a time that I would have least expected it, mm. you know, in a place that I didn't 
know and, you know, just that God had, um, I just feel like Mike's one of my living stones of remembrance, mm-hmm. so to speak, just because he he reminds me that God will open up a way uh, mm-hmm. when things don't look good. Mm-hmm. So, Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that you enjoyed this series. I know that I was so challenged and encouraged by each of these couples. And before we go, I just want to remind you, if you're listening and you don't work at Samaritan's Purse and your spouse does, I want you to know that you are doing ministry with your spouse. Even though you don't work full-time, you are serving just as much as these couples that we heard from. Your prayer and your support and the way that you allow them to serve has a big role in the way that we serve in Jesus' name. And so thank you for being a part of this ministry. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a great week.